I want to talk to you tonight about how to live your entire life right smack in the middle of the will of God. How many of you want to live your entire life right smack in the middle of the will? It's the safest place to be. You're safer in the middle of the will of God than any place else in the world. And I want to say this, though. The plan of God is not your choice. It's your discovery. He has a plan for your life. When you were in your mother's womb, he had a plan. He had a plan. There's things he's ordained for you to do. Victories he's ordained you to win. Battles he's already uh, ordained the victory for you. I don't know how many of you know who John Osteen is. He's Joel's daddy. John Osteen's a great minister of God, was in the ministry 50-some years, and I mean, just fabulous. He can say more by accident in 10 minutes than most pastors can say blathering on for an hour. He's just a fabulous minister. And before he went home to be with the Lord, I was privileged to be in one of his meetings. And um, he's up preaching, and I'm, I'm taking notes, and all of a sudden he kind of stops, and he says, I'm about to give you the greatest revelation of my entire life in ministry. And I'm thinking, Dad, come. You know, he's, he's had 50 years of success. This is going to be good. So he said, are you ready? And I said, I'm ready, brother. And I got my paper and I got my pen in my hand. I said, I'm ready. He said, are you ready? I said, yes, I'm ready. He said, I'm about to give you the single greatest revelation of my entire life and my entire ministry. I'm like, come on, man, bring it on. He said, this is it. This is it. This is it. I'm like, yeah. Like a little kid, come on. He said, This is it. God is smarter than I am. And I did what you did, I laughed. But really, that's a profound revelation. Because when you know that God is smarter than you are, then when your will crosses his will, you'll yield. When he says something in his word, you won't think, oh, that's just from a, from a time past. It doesn't apply to today. I, said, I mentioned earlier how long I've been walking with God. And I can tell you, it is proved out over my life. He is smarter than I am. Now, I didn't always have that revelation. When I was young and punky and snot-nosed and thought I knew everything, I remember having a distinct conversation with him wherein I said, Father, if I don't understand, I just don't know how I could follow you. 
Is that not the epitome of arrogance for a snot-nosed teenager or whatever I was? But I have since come to learn, sometimes by the hard way, that he's always smarter than we are. Listen, you may never be able to trust another person on earth to have your best interest at heart always, 100% of the time, but you can trust him. He always is for you. He always has your best interest at heart. And even if it doesn't look like the best way or the easiest way or you can't figure out why in the world he wants you to go that way, you can rest in the fact that he is smarter than you are. Listen, from his position in a timeless place, he can look down and see the end result of every possible decision we might make. If we go this way, he sees not only what's going to happen now and six months from now and a year from now. He sees what's going to happen 5, 15, 25, 50 years from now. And if you go this way, this will be the end result. And if you go this way, this will be the end result. And from his place of being able to see it all, he picks the best path. And he says, this is it. Go this way. Well, how many of you know in the natural, there could, it could be rocky. It could not look like any place we want to go. But if you know that he's smarter than you are, and you know you can trust him like you really can, you'll yield. I guarantee you, he's taken you out to a broader place, a, lush, a more lush place than you've currently been in. Listen, every time God supernaturally intervened to change the course of my life, it never looked like increase to me. Never. Not once. I was a businesswoman in my early 20s. Making a lot of money, having a lot of fun. Drove a convertible, living in Florida. Built my own home. Was going to parties with attorneys on their yachts. and I mean, I was having fun. God said, I want you to give all that up and go to Bible school. In Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. How many of you know that did not look like increase to me? But I obeyed. Listen, over other people's objections, my dad didn't want me to do it. My dad said, sweetie, you're doing so good. Just keep going. He said, you know what? Just disobey God and, and tell him to put it on my account. How many of you know that ain't the way it works for starters? You got to hear from God for yourself, and you're responsible for the decisions you make, not anybody else, not even your mama, not your daddy, not nobody. Then when I said, no, daddy, I know it's God, and I'm going to go, he said, well, you're young. If you ruin the rest of your life, I guess you have time to recover. I just laughed. 
So I went to Bible school. And I have to be honest, the precious treasure they gave me during those two years, understanding of the word of God that I did not have prior to that time, they loaded me up with the precious things of God, answered questions I'd had for decades, gave me understanding of things I never had understanding of. It was the best two years of my life until I met Pastor Mark. So I adjusted to Oklahoma, was doing good, started traveling on some singing music teams, singing and traveling with some teams from Rama, and I was having fun again, and, you know, I had lots of friends, and still had my convertible because I was upside down on my miles, and I had to keep it till I could get right side up. But anyway, um, yeah, anyway, so right there, then the Lord said, I want you to go to India. I'm like, say what? And I want you to go with these people that you don't really know. I was like, what? I've not hardly been out of the U.S. to this point. England and Israel, it's the only place I'd ever been before this. And I started studying up on India. Yeah, and uh, like a week before we left, the leader of the team started talking to us about, you know, rats and cat-sized rats and, you know, how this rat got in the rafter and would dookie on his face every night. And uh, How many, you know, I, I, I didn't count on any of that. I wasn't planning on any of that. I had to go to the Rama Park and pray through. I'm just telling you the truth. Because I was like, Lord, you didn't say nothing about no rats and no cat-sized rats. And I thought he was exaggerating, but he wasn't. I had to pray through till I had peace. The Lord said, go in peace. I'm with you. How many of you know it was comforting and yet? I would have preferred he said, don't worry about it, girl. You ain't going to see it one of them. All he said was, go in peace. I'm with you. How many of you know none of this looks like increase to me? I can give you Rhonda's rules for sleeping on the mission field at night. You want to hear them? Number one, if you're in a third world country, let me qualify Number one, move your bed away from the wall at night so that whatever wants to run up and down the wall at night while you're sleeping can do so without running over you. Rule number one. Rule number two, tuck your covers in all the way around. You do not want to provide an easy access place from the floor. When you get out in the morning, you take your blanket and you tuck it in all four so that there's nothing waiting on you. When you go to get back in the bed, do you understand? I ate rice with my hands out of banana leaves in manure huts. I ate bugs because our food was so full of them we couldn't even pick them out anymore. Yeah. How's that for increase? 
And yet, he took a little girl who'd never delivered a full sermon and made her a seasoned minister in that time. I had miracles. God did miracles through me. Can you believe it? Tumors disappeared off people's bodies. Blind eyes were open. God used me. One little old lady I prayed for. I didn't speak her language. She didn't speak mine. But she looked so hopeless. And I just took her hands. And she didn't understand one word I was saying. But I said, Father... Touch her. Help her. And the power of God hit her, and she began weeping and weeping. She had no idea. I could have been reciting the alphabet for all she knew. She fell out in the Holy Ghost, and when she got up, her face was glowing. I preached in the villages and got almost whole villages born again. I'm by firelight, just like you'd imagine a missionary's meeting to be hundreds of years ago. People were running out of their huts to answer the altar call. I got to go. We got to move on. I was praying for a lady in a village. I had just told him the way of salvation. And I went to lay my hands on her. They said she was blind. I went to lay my hands on her, and first the Holy Ghost said, ah, pray in the Holy Ghost. So I stopped, and I just prayed in the Holy Ghost for a few minutes. And then I laid my hands on her, and I meant to say, be healed in Jesus' name. But I had just hooked my heart to my mouth by praying in tongues, and God tricked me. Because what came out of my mouth is, you come out of her in Jesus' name. I had no idea it was a demon. I was a shocked. I couldn't, I had no intention of saying that. Do you understand? I, my brain willed my mouth to say something totally different. That woman hit the ground, slithering like a snake. Your body can't move like that woman was moving. And I thought, you are not getting away from me that easy. I jumped down off the stage and, yeah, I mean, we cleared a path. Trust me, I'm chasing after her, trying to get my hands back on her. She was out the rest of the night that I was there. I trust she got appealed. I don't know. We never went back. It's one of those you just got to trust God. But my point is, look what God did. It didn't look like increase. And there was a lot of hard things, but God, but God. All right, now, now I've gone to India. Now I'm a seasoned minister. Now I have made up my mind I'm taking India for Christ. Do you understand? I mean, wild horses couldn't keep me out of India. I have, you know, it's God. It was God. Then I come home. The Lord arranged for me to, marry, or to meet Pastor Mark. And then the Lord said, married a man. I'm like, what? Because you see, I'm traveling around in churches raising support, telling these people I'm going there to live permanently. And now God is talking to me about marrying this pastor. 
Am I going to the mission field? Am I not what in the world? It took me 10 years to tell God I'd stay single for him, and that's another long story. He didn't really want me to stay single. He just wanted all of me. And that was like an idol in my life that someday my prince would come. Someday somebody would come who understood me, who would love me, who would take care of me, all the things I never felt I had as a child. And so when God asked for that, it took me 10 years to answer him. So finally I just said, fine, I'll stay single for you, but you're going to make my life count. And then I went to India, and I saw miracles, and got whole villages born again. And now he's talking to me about a husband. God had to supernaturally go out of his way with confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that I was to marry that man, or I would have considered him a distraction from hell to keep me out of India. Oh, no, Buster. I got to plan. God said, marry the man. I'm like, what? Matter of fact, I had to go have it out with him one night. Being the sweet, submissive, easy-to-yield person that I am. I got in his presence one night, and I said, what are you doing? Every day. By the tens of thousands, people in India are dropping into hell. And I don't know anyone who's willing to do this in India. But I'm willing. Why would you ask me to stay? Why would you ask me to stay? He said, Rhonda, put your love for the nations and for that nation into your church people. And there won't just be one of you. There'll be many. He's so smart. He was looking for multiplication. Not just one horsepower, but all of us horses powering together to bless the nations of the world. He's so smart. It's resulted in great increase in my life. Honestly, I couldn't have found a guy. I didn't know good guys like my husband even still existed. He gave me a daughter that I never expected to have. He gave me a ministry and all of you that I love so much. But how many of you know to me it didn't look like increase? What did we have? 20 people. That did not look like increase to me. Going from getting whole villages born again and having miracles. Forgive me, but that's, I'm just being honest. But listen, every time he supernaturally intervened to change the direction of my life, it never looked like increase to me. It always looked like decrease. But you know what he was doing? It's as if he pull, it was pulling me back. In his slingshot. I was taking a few steps backwards. Every time. From Miss Businesswoman to Bible school. From Bible school to India. From India to pastoring in Alabama. Every time. It resulted in great increase. It's as if he pulled me back in his slingshot. Boom. To propel me forward. 
it always resulted in great increase, though I couldn't see it in that moment. Sometimes you just got to take a blind leap of faith. Say, Father, I trust you. I'm going to obey, and I trust you that you're going to make all this work out for my good. Listen. We need to know God said in order to stand, in order to stay when things get hard. Listen, you often can't get from where you are to the plan God has for you in one step. Let's say, let's say this keyboard is the ultimate plan of God for my life. How many of you know I can't get from here to there in one step? So God said, do this next. And I'm like, but this isn't my call. That's my call. But it took me closer Then he says, do this over here. Yes, sir. Do this over here. Yes, sir. And the whole time, not only am I getting closer to my ultimate call, he's loading my tool belt. He's he's bringing people in that I have relationships with that that are going to help me when I get there. Do you understand? He's so dadgum smart. When you wait upon the Lord, you're not inactive. Sometimes people think waiting on the Lord is me just sitting here. Oh, I'm just waiting. Waiting on the Lord. No, you wait on the Lord like a waiter at a restaurant. What can I do for you today, sir? What can I get you? I'm here to serve you. I'm your server. What can I do? What do you want me to do today? Hmm. People always want to know, how can I completely fulfill the will of God in my life? And I'm about to tell you, if every day you go to God and say, Father, what can I do for you today? Then do it. Then do it. You'll get to the end. Look back and find you completely fulfilled the will of God. No, you should be more excited than that. Sometimes we think, oh, it needs to be hard. I need to torment my flesh and make these great heroic efforts at something. Now just obey him. Every day. How did we get here? How did this church get to be the church that it is? One step of obedience after another. Just one step. You don't need the whole plan. You need the next place to put your foot. So many times. I said, Lord, here we are again right in the middle of a minefield. I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. So, Lord, all I need is the next safe place to put my foot. What's the next step, Lord? Okay, imagine you're in a minefield. Things all around that can take you out. 
Where do I put my foot next, Lord? Hmm. Do this. Okay. All right, Lord, now what? And you just keep walking with him. You just keep walking with him and obeying him. And he'll bring you out the other side. Wherever the Lord tells you to go, whatever it is he asks you to do, that's your there place. That's the place for you where the Lord commands his blessing upon you. First Kings 17. You know this story. Pastor uses it a lot. 17.1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there." He had a there place. It was the brook Cherith. How many of you know that might not have looked like increase to him? That might not have been where he wanted to go. How many of you know he could have gone to any brook, but the food was coming to Cherith? He had to obey. So he went and did, according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. Hey, that is a good deal. And in a time of famine, dude was being fed good. And the raven, I called Elijah dude. Anyway, if you're listening, sir, I apologize. And the ravens, oh, I just read that. Uh, and it came to pass after a while, verse 7, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. The Lord told him exactly where to go. And there in that place where God put him was supernatural provision. Supernatural blessing. Elijah didn't get to choose where he wanted to go to ride out the drought and the resulting famine. God told him where to go. Then it was up to Elijah to obey. Ephesians 2.10 out of the Amplified Classic. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Listen, he's got a good life. You know, when we hired on Pastor Belinda, she took a pay decrease to come on staff here. And after about six months, she came in our office and sat down, and she said, it doesn't add up. I took a pay cut 
to come here, but I'm living better than I've ever lived in my life. Why? Because the blessing of God was on her act of obedience, her step of obedience. And people were blessing her with brand new furniture, new washer and dryer. I mean, people just blessed her socks off. Why? Because God moved on them to do that. Because she was in her there place. Psalm 66, 12. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, but thou broughtest out into a wealthy place. Glory to God. I tell you, sometimes the will of God doesn't look like increase. And you may go through a little bit of fire. And you may go through a little bit of water. But if you just keep taking his hand and keep walking with him, he will bring you out into that wealthy place, into that that place that the good life which he prearranged for you, he's already prearranged a good life for you. But whether or not you get to that good life is up to you. No, I mean it. The one who obeys God is the one who can withstand the storms of life when they come. A few years ago, well, 2008 to be precise, when the recession came, Brother Jim Quillen, he came to us and he said, you know what the Lord said to me? We don't have to participate in this reception. A recession, not reception, recession. He said, it came up in my heart that the blood of Jesus makes us immune to recession. How many of you know we're back there again? Same blood, same blood, same God. Our people were getting blessed when they shouldn't have been. They were getting jobs and better jobs. Glory to God. One lady, her her whole department was laid off but her. Glory to God. Increase on every side. Why? Because favor ain't fair. God's favor on you can cause things to happen for you when you're obedient and in your there place. And when the storms of life come, and they come to everybody, at the end, we're still standing. Let's go to Luke 6, 46 to 49. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoa, Jack. We could stop and have a sea law moment there. Lord means boss, master. He's saying, why are you flapping your gums calling me master, Lord, when you're not doing the things that I told you to do? Woo-wee. And I'm saying that because the Lord used this one on me when I was in that same period of the teenage years. I'll never forget it. I'm like, ooh, you're right. If you're my Lord, I should be doing what you're saying. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. You come to him, hear his sayings, and then do them. You got to go to him, get the plan, 
and then do it. Whosoever cometh to me and hears my sayings and do with them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. I used to think the rock is Jesus Christ, but the rock is obedience to revealed truth. And direction. If you come to me, you hear and you obey. That puts you on a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Your plans will amount to nothing. I regret to tell you that because we can't see the future, we are just not smart enough to know the right way and the right thing in every situation. But he does. He does. Andy Stanley said this in his visioneering book. If you are where God wants you, fulfilling the responsibilities that God has given you, then you are already a success. That act of obedience. When, the moment you set yourself to obey him, you're already a success. You, he went on to say, you will be a success the day you embrace or receive the vision that God has put in your heart. Let's say the plan of God is for you to go to Birmingham, Alabama. How many of you know the fastest route would be for you to get on 565 and take it to 65 South and just keep going till you get there? But we're humans. And we can get distracted and take detours. Now listen, you might could still get there, but it's going to cost you in time and wear and tear on your body, wear and tear on your mind, wear and tear on your emotions if you get out of his will. You can get to Birmingham from here by way of Canada. But it's not the recommended route. How many of you know it's going to cost you some time? It's going to cost you some wear and tear. You may go through things that God never intended for you to go through if you had just stayed on the path. Pastor and I were traveling from Arkansas to Kentucky to do my dad's 50th anniversary of his Bible school. So we're driving and going to drive all day. And my husband is a, we're getting there. Straight, short, fast, no stops. 
And I'm more of a let's stop and smell the roses along the way kind of girl. We balance each other out. He keeps me moving and I help him enjoy his life. So we're driving through Missouri and I keep seeing these billboards for a restaurant in a cave. And we've got our daughter with us and she's little, but I thought, you know what? Let's have an adventure. How often do you get to eat lunch in a restaurant in a cave? So I'm like, honey, we have to eat lunch anyway. Why don't we just go to this restaurant in a cave and make a memory? And he's like, how far off the road is it? I'm like, I don't really know. Can't be too far. So finally he says, okay, okay. So I put it in the GPS, and she starts directing us. You know, she says, get off here and, you know, go left. And I'm telling you, there ain't nothing out here. You, some of this story, you're going to think I'm exaggerating. But I'm not exaggerating. We drive on a blacktop road with no street signs, no houses, no buildings. There, there is nothing out here. Nothing. Finally, we go from, grav- uh, from blacktop to gravel. Now, we just bought this vehicle, and we're kicking rocks up. Again. I- I'm testing my husband's love walk. So we get to this restaurant, and it's closed. You wonder how he has so much fruit of the Spirit? I help him develop love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You're welcome. So now he's looking at me. And I said, sorry, honey. So I reach up to the GPS and I hit resume route. Well, now we're on a gravel road, right? We go from gravel to dirt. And she's just telling us where to go and we're following her. Now, listen to me. There is nothing out here. I am not exaggerating. I have not seen one street sign. Even when we turn, there's no sign saying what road we're turning onto. There's no houses, no businesses. I don't, it's like we're on, driving on Mars, all right? There's nothing out here. And all, so we're driving on a dirt road now. And all of a sudden she says, turn right. And Mark stops the car in the middle of the road. And we look over there. With the Lord as my witness, there were two tire tracks into the woods. I, could, I swear I saw a little bit of steam coming out of his ears. And I said, honey, I don't know what else to do. I have no idea where we are. I have no idea how to get us where we need to be. All we can do is follow her because I don't know what else to do. So he turns off onto the tire tracks, into the woods. And in the, in the meantime, I'm calculating. If something happens to us out here, I'm going to have to set the van on fire and tell him, follow the smoke, 
because I have no idea where I am. Do you understand? I don't know where we are. And so we're driving, right? And we go over these great big tree roots. Boom, 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 you know. And I was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then we, then we cross a stream. Deep ruts, you know, over the tree roots. And the whole time I'm looking at him thinking, Jesus, favor, help me, dear God. I have favor. I have favor with that man in Jesus' name. Eventually, we came out onto a dirt road, which took us to a gravel road, which took us to a blacktop road, which took us back to the interstate. Lord Jesus. But how many of you know we didn't have to go through all that? If we'd have stayed on the most direct route, following the original route we got from the chick in the box, we wouldn't have had to go through any of that. It's the same way with God. Listen, we have an internal GPS system. And this internal GPS is like a baseball game, like the umpire. The scripture even says it's the, an umpire in our heart saying either safe or out. How is it we trust that chick in a box that we don't even know who she is more than we trust the Holy Ghost GPS system right here on the inside of us? This is where he leads us, not out here, not with other people. He expects every one of us as believers to have our own priesthood. We don't have to go through priests and prophets and, and, and other people. No, he expects you to be led by the Spirit of God right down in here. An internal GPS system. Now listen, that little chick in the box, sometimes she's just crazy. Belinda and I were in Mobile and we're on that really long bridge and she keeps telling us, turn right. And I'm like, she want us to swim? You know what? Literally, there was, it was one straight bridge. Turn right. And finally, I just said, turn her off. I wish my family was here to see their faces when I tell them this, but we were trying to find some restaurant out in the middle of nowhere, South Alabama. It's called It Don't Matter. Where do you want to eat? It don't matter. There's only one restaurant out here. You understand? The whole restaurant's called It Don't Matter. Where do you want to eat? It don't matter. So we stumbled across it one day when we really were lost. And so we put it in the GPS, and, and all of a sudden we got where we had no signal anymore. And she started saying crazy stuff. Pickled pinochle on the left, blue. And my husband, who's wanting to get there, was, was like, and Destiny and I were laughing so hard because she was saying just absolutely, I never heard it say just nonsense. You know, uh, March 4th, 72 blank. You know, just she was saying just crazy stuff. Desi and I were laughing so hard. And the more we laughed, the matter he got. But it was, 
He's like, I have to get there. And I couldn't write. I'm like, I have to drive till we get a signal again. I don't even know where we are. But how many of you know that chick can lead you astray? And yet we follow her without question. What if we could trust? What if we could trust that internal GPS system that says don't go that way or go this way or don't do that, do this instead? He has never made a mistake. And he lives in here and he bears witness with you. So this afternoon as I was preparing this, I'm like, Lord, is this the right sermon? Pastor Mark said, I want to do a good job. Dear Lord, did I get the right one? You know, I know you can't imagine me doing this, but I am. I'm stressing a little bit. And so I call Pastor Mark, and I'm like, what are you doing, honey? Because he's driving up to that church that he's ministering at tonight. And I said, what you doing, honey? And he said, you're never going to believe this. He said, I turned the GPS on because you weren't here to tell me where to go. And they told me there was an accident on the road I was on. And if I got off, it'd be an hour faster. And I looked on there and there was, I mean, there was like miles of red on the interstate ahead of where he was. And he said, so I followed her. And he said, it took me to a blacktop, which took me to a gravel road. (laughs) And he said, I was remembering what happened to us in Missouri? And he said, it was almost like God dropped on me. He said, I was laughing so hard, I almost had to pull over. He said, if somebody had driven by me, they'd have thought I was nuts. He said, I'm beating the steering wheel. And he said, I'm laughing so hard, I can't hardly drive. He, it just was confirmation to me. He said, he said, the Holy Ghost came on him and said, I wish my people would trust me as much as they trust that GPS. I'm like, that's my sermon. That's my sermon. He's like, really? I said, I promise you. I was like, oh, I do have the right sermon. <laughs> How many of you know with 30 years of preaching, you got a lot of stuff in here to draw from? And I always want to get you the hot word for the moment. So he helped me. Yay, God. All right. So follow the internal GPS of the Holy Spirit within you. If something doesn't seem quite right, don't keep plowing through. You cannot override a warning from God with a faith confession. That's how people die. He leads you. I don't often tell this, but in my early 20s, I took a detour out of the will of God because I wanted something, or more properly, I wanted someone for me. I knew it wasn't the will of God, and I said, I'm going to do it anyway for me. I want something for me. That one decision... Cost me a decade of time before I could get back in the plan of God. That one decision caused me to have tons of agony 
that God never intended for me to go through. How many of you know God is smarter than we are? Even now I look back and I think, how much further God could I have been if I hadn't squandered those years? Trying to do something for myself instead of just obeying and trusting. God never means for us to go through those kind of hardships and waste that kind of time. And I know I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to tell you the story. But even Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's household, but he was an Israeli. And one day he saw one of the Egyptians beating one of the slaves that were his people. Listen to me. He rightly perceived that he was the redeemer. He had the right plan. It was just the wrong time. And he tried to do it in his flesh. He tried to do it with his plan, not God's plan. The Bible says he struck the, he looked this way and around to see if anybody was looking. Then he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day, he saw two of the slaves fighting, and he said, why are you striking your brother? And they said, who are you that you think you're judge over us? Are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And he knew he was discovered. So he ran into the desert where he spent 40 years. before God could bring him back to where he took the detour and make him the redeemer he always knew was his destiny. You can't get ahead of God. You can't just go adding stuff to yourself that God didn't tell you to do or that God didn't tell you was yours. I knew better than to get involved with that guy. God told me no. I knew it wasn't right. And yet I pushed through. At great, great cost. Even today, the regret is real. What is my point? You have an internal GPS system. It will lead you the right way 100% of the time. You can't depend always on that chick in the box, but we do it. We just trust her. Oh, that we could trust that internal GPS the same way. God can spare you from years, maybe decades of wasted time. Heartache, struggle, things you were never meant to go through, battles you were never meant to fight if you would have just stayed on his plan the whole way. I know someone 
who got off the plan for the sake of money. And strong call. Now, 30 years later, they're trying to get back to the ministry. Can't figure out how to get there. How many of you know you can get pretty far off base in 30 years? Heavens, she could be in Alaska trying to get to Birmingham for all I could, you know. She, she's like, I'm trying. I'm, try, I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get back. And she's taking steps. She's, she's taking steps. She's doing good. But don't be so knuckleheaded. Don't do what I did. And I know that sounds hypocritical, but how many of you know if I see a hole in the ground that's going to cause you to fall and I fell in it, it's not hypocritical for me to say don't fall in that hole. I just did. Wish I could go back. How much further could I be if I had stayed on the path for another decade? You have an internal GPS system, and you can trust him. How is it you can go without wasting any more years? I can tell you how not to waste any more years. How do you get from where you are to where you need to be? Every day. You go to God and you say, Father, what can I do for you today? Then do it. Then do it. He will get you to the end. He will get you back on his plan if you're off. And he'll keep you on the plan if you're on it. And he'll get you to your destiny. And when you get there, you'll find that you completely fulfilled the will of God for your life. If you do. I don't want you to waste years, decades. I don't want you to go through things, have a broken heart, and suffer things that God never meant for you to have to go through. Stay on the plan. Stay on his plan that you'll find by that internal GPS that says, go this way or go that way, you can trust him. Even if it doesn't look like increase, even if it looks like decrease, he is so much smarter than we are. And he is working his plan for a lifetime, not just for the next two months or six months or a year. You can trust him. You can trust him.